Hello and welcome to episode three of Because You Asked. I'm sorry to everybody who's been waiting for this episode. Um, life has just gotten kind of busy with going back to school and everything else, but here it is. And without further ado, these first questions are from Mae Borges, and she asks, why do some things burn and others melt? Also, how can animals breathe underwater? How do their gills work? These are very good questions. So I actually did not know why some things burn and others melt, so I had to look it up. And it turns out that when something burns, it has a combustion temperature that's lower than its melting point. So what that means is combustion is a chemical reaction. So think of wood, that's probably the most obvious example, or paper. When it's heated to a certain point, it reacts with oxygen in the air to start combustion. Whereas other things like most plastics, wax, things like that, can be melted because the point or temperature at which they melt is actually lower than the temperature at which they combust or catch fire. As far as animals breathing underwater go, um, fish gills work actually pretty similarly to the way our lungs work. So we take oxygen in when we breathe and that oxygen is taken through these little pathways in our lungs and it's delivered into our bloodstream through capillaries that are connected to our lungs. And gills do much the same thing, except instead of breathing, what fish do is they run water along their gills. So the gill is just, think of it like a membrane that has capillaries and it pulls dissolved oxygen out of the water. There's actually little particles of O2 in the water, which is why when you have streams and lakes that aren't as healthy as they could be, fish can start dying off because there's not enough dissolved oxygen in the water. That's how they breathe. Brody asks, what do you do for a hobby? So this is an interesting question when it comes to me because um, I actually have several hobbies. I, I'm a strange in that I don't really focus entirely on one thing or even two things. I have a couple of things that I do and my wife laughs at me because I kind of cycle through them. Uh, for a couple of months, I'll be really into one and then I'll kind of let that go by the wayside and then I'll get into another one. But I always come back around. So I just kind of do this circuit around these hobbies. Um, so I've been playing guitar a lot lately. I enjoy that. Um, I do photography and some woodworking and I like to grow things. I really like to plant stuff out in my yard, um, vegetables, flowers, fruit, anything that gives me something beautiful to put in my home or food on the table, I really enjoy. These next questions are from Lauren McCombs. She asks, what made you realize that you wanted to become a teacher? What was your inspiration? What was the biggest challenge of becoming a teacher? Do you regret becoming a teacher? So in the last episode, I addressed the first two of those questions. So what I'm going to talk about is the challenge that I faced becoming a teacher and whether or not I regret it. So I had to think a lot about this because I didn't, when I first read the question, I didn't really feel like I had any big challenges, but after thinking about it, I realized that there was one and it had to do with how I saw myself. So one of the things that you 
struggle with as you get older is a sense of feeling like you're running out of time to do things. So if there's something that you've wanted to do, say your whole life and you're in your 30s, sometimes it's really easy to tell yourself that it's too late to do it, that the opportunity has passed you by and that you're just going to have to regret it for the rest of your life. And it's really not the case. So my biggest challenge was accepting that it didn't matter when I changed careers. It didn't matter when I started. It just mattered that I did start. Um, And I got over that with the help of my wife and friends, you know, just talking about wanting to become a teacher and was it the right thing to do, et cetera. Um, But I'm glad that it's something that I realized. As for regretting becoming a teacher, no. There are times when I feel like I'm doing other things than teaching, uh, but those aren't all that common. And most of my days are good. Really, the, the days where it's difficult are the ones where I feel like I'm letting my kids down. One or all of them are somewhere in between. Um, so when I feel like I'm not giving them the education that they deserve, that's when I have regret. But it's not regret about becoming a teacher. It's more regret about I didn't work hard enough. I didn't prepare enough. Um, I didn't spend enough time with this kid or with this group. Uh, so that's really it. I mean, I love what I do. I love coming to see you guys every day, even if you're wearing masks. Here's one that's simple and straightforward. Are you growing out your hair again? Yes, I am. So it was pretty long last year. And in January, about two months before we had to leave due to the COVID pandemic, I got about 12 inches of it cut off. So it was pretty short and it was nice for a while, but then, you know, I started to miss it. It kind of crept in and, um, it's way easier to manage bedhead when your hair is long than when it's short. Trust me on that one. Uh, so yeah, it's grown back out and should be pretty much done in anywhere from like nine months to a year from now. Paula Mora asks, would you rather be rich because of your job, but you're not happy? or not have a lot of money, but be happy with your job. That's an easy one. I'd rather be happy with my job. Money is nice. I'm not going to say it's not, you know, it allows us to do a lot of things that we want to do and get the things that make us happy. But in the end, you know, the average person spends a third of their life, probably more at their job, whatever it might be. And a third of their life sleeping if they're getting enough sleeping. So if you imagine it this way, one third of your life being miserable, one third of your life being asleep, and then the other third maybe being happy when you come home. I find it kind of hard to imagine someone who is really dislikes their job being able to just shed it when they go home, meaning just like shrug it off. Like I'm not going to think about work while I'm at home. So I think that being unhappy uh, in my career would would make me miserable. I think it would probably negatively affect the rest of my life. So no, I'd way rather be happy. Okay, this next one is a doozy. I have this friend who found something out about themselves. They kind of knew it for a while. And to keep it to themselves would be lying to the people they care about and to themselves. 
but to tell others could potentially ostracize them or render them the target of violence. Should they look for support in others and be public about it, or should they keep it to themselves for the protection? And this person added as an addendum, just thought you might like a morally confusing slash challenging question. (laughs) Ha ha. Well, I do actually like questions like this, but I want to be very clear at the outset that I am not going to give any advice. I don't know what this person is going through. Um, I can't say what's right for somebody else. Sometimes it's difficult enough saying what's right for myself. Uh, I will say, though, that it's important to take an inventory. And what I mean by that is you really have to think about all the things that you have to gain and all the things that you have to lose. Think about the people in your life. Um, Who are the ones that you can trust? Who are the ones that maybe you can't trust or you're not sure if you can trust? Uh, I don't think that it sounds like this person is lying to themselves. It sounds like they're just struggling with what could potentially be a very momentous decision because once you put things out there, they're out there. You can't get them back. Um, But it's possible that the reaction to whatever secret this person has might not be nearly as bad as they think. So I would say that if, if they really feel like there could be some harm that comes to them or some kind of lasting damage, whether it's, you know, mental or social or whatever, uh, then maybe, maybe take some time to just mull it over, you know, um, I often, when I have problems, I often have to let them just rest. I have to stop thinking about them for a little bit. Uh, I have to let my subconscious work on them. And I don't always get an answer that way, but sometimes I do. Um, it doesn't sound like this is something that this person can just forget and let be. But it sounds like they have at least one person they trust. And that's the person asking this question. So I think that in any situation like this, you just really need to take stock and say, are there people that I can trust this with just a a small circle where it will stay? And then maybe I can try that out and see how it goes. So tell the people that I know love me, tell the people that I know care about me and just see how it goes because those are the people that will provide a bit of a net when you stumble. Um, whereas, you know, if you just put something out into the world, you never know what any random person is going to think or do based on that information. Um, so yeah, this is, this is a really difficult one, but this person, whoever you're talking about needs to find somebody who preferably an adult, like a trusted adult who can kind of guide them, not necessarily give them advice, but answer questions and just be there for them. So this made me chuckle. Do teachers ever ship students with other students, meaning set them up as a couple? No, we don't. Um, We're really not interested in your love lives. In fact, um, I think most of us would prefer that we keep the puppy love out of the classroom altogether and outside the gates, to be honest. Uh, So that would be kind of weird if your teacher cared about who you were dating. I seriously wish I had a dollar for every time I'm asked this next question. Gabe Vu asks, were we your favorite class in fourth grade? Oh, Gabe, you got to know I'm not going to 
say that a particular class was my favorite class. And part of the reason is to choose a favorite, you'd have to be comparing the same thing and have to be an apples to apples comparison. And every class was different. I loved each one in my own way. Um, I taught fourth grade for three years before I moved to seventh. And my very first class that I had, I'll probably always have the strongest bond with them just because they were, you know, they were my first. And it was like, I was learning to be a teacher and they were learning to be fourth graders. Um, and then you guys came along the next year and were just funny and weird. And then the class I had after that was also just, you really all my favorites just in different ways. So um, sorry to disappoint you, but I still love all of you. Okay, Addison Ackley writes, During COVID, it's been very hard to not go crazy. What have you been doing to stay not only safe, but to keep yourself from going insane? Any books or websites? Well, Addie, that supposes that I'm not actually insane already. At times, it has felt a little bit like it. I'm not really insane, but just, wow, I don't know how I'm going to get through like today, much less another week, another month, another year of this, whatever it's going to be. It has definitely been a balancing act. And I think of balancing and juggling as metaphors for this because for me, I've stayed relatively in good mental shape by doing a variety of things. So by playing guitar, um, playing games on my computer, doing gardening, um, working around the house and outside the house in the yard, garden, that sort of thing. You know, just doing things with my wife and my kids, getting out in nature. I think that's really a big one is getting outside. Uh, I know this isn't the greatest time of the year in the Pacific Northwest to be getting outside, but you still have to force yourself to do it. Um, even if it's just like an hour or two on the weekends, and on those days when we get some sun, you, you got to go outside. You got to stand with your face in the sun and look at the sky and look for shapes in the clouds or like whatever it is you need to do um, to focus yourself on something other than this sameness of being at home all the time. Uh, as far as books and websites, um, I kind of have a routine where uh, in the evening after dinner, you know, usually my, uh, my family and I'll watch a, like an episode of a show together or something like that. And then my wife and I might have a, you know, a conversation at some point and we'll read or, you know, watch Netflix or Amazon prime or Disney plus or Hulu or whatever. Uh, I find that gets a little old after a while. So if you can find a good book, specifically a book that's part of a series, that's not a bad thing to get into. Just try not to burn through them. Because if you have, let's say you've got a trilogy that you read, you read the first book and it's really great. And you can't wait to read the second one. If you read the trilogy in a week or a week and a half, you're going to be very sad when you're done. So as difficult as it might be, you might say, okay, if I find a really good book, I'm going to read it for an hour before bed. And then I'm going to force myself to turn off the light, close my eyes, even my breathing, and then hopefully I'll get to sleep. I'll wake up and then do it all the next day. Hope that helped.
That's going to do it for this episode. I'd like to thank all of you that submitted questions. If you have questions, please feel free to send them to me, especially if it's something that you have not heard on the podcast before. You guys always have kind of funny and off-the-wall stuff to talk about, and I really like to bring that. Hope everybody stays safe and had a great spring break, and I will talk to you guys in a little bit.